everyone, it's Caleb. I'm so excited that you've decided to spend a few minutes of your day here with me on the Learner's Corner podcast today. And here in the Learner's Corner, we really want to create a safe place to have dangerous conversations because we all know that you can't have any conversation that you want necessarily with with anyone because you may not feel like it's like they're safe enough to have that conversation with. Maybe you're afraid of being judged or looked down upon or criticized or maybe even receiving hate from it as well. And that's also true for places. And here in the Learner's Quarter, we truly want to be a place to where we can have dangerous conversations, to have the conversations that maybe you're afraid to have, that you're afraid to bring up as well. And on this place, we really want to create a place to where we can all continue to learn and grow. And our guest today, Stuart Hall, is definitely someone that you're going to want to continue to learn from. Stuart has been a guest on the Learner's Corner podcast several different times, and there's uh, there's much to know about Stuart. We're going to jump into our conversation here in just a minute. But before that, I do want to let you know that Stuart is, our, is a speaker. He is the founder of the organization called Influencer. And he works for the Rethink Group, also known as Orange. And as we're looking back on 2020, I wanted to bring Stuart on and just reflect on some of the things that he's learned from. And if you missed our latest episode with Sarah Anderson, where we kind of did a similar thing and I asked her to kind of give uh, some of the lessons that she's learned and some of the best things that she's learned from, I would suggest that you go back and check out that episode as well. Now, before we jump into my conversation that Stuart and I had, I want to say thank you to a couple of people for helping making the Learner's Corner or for helping to make the Learner's Corner possible. The first person is Sam Massey, who provides our music for the podcast. Sam, thank you so much for doing that. If you uh, have any music needs for yourself, just go out and reach out to Sam. The best way to probably do that is by going onto his Instagram, which is at sammassey 77 And I want to say thank you to Garrett Oler, who edits the podcast as well. You have uh, helped, both of you have really helped to make the Learner's Corner better and helped take us to the next level. And I just want to say thank you both so much for doing that and for helping me on this journey to help uh, get the Learner's Corner back in 2020. And without any further wait, we're going to jump into my conversation with Stuart Paul. Stuart, it's so good to have you back on the Learner's Corner podcast. I told you this off air. My wife goes, are those people not tired of you yet? And <laughs> I'm like, apparently not. Caleb, bro, you know I love you. So good to see you. I so appreciate the thought bubbles coming out of the back of your head. <laughs> and the pink sweatshirt. Merry Christmas, homie. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, you've had uh, a heck of a 2020 <laughs> And, is, and cursing, is cursing allowed on the learners podcast <laughs> yeah if it's if it ends up being too bad we'll bleep it okay well you could have used a, an appropriate curse word there yeah. instead of yeah. heck yeah um but just as just as we're getting started uh and uh for those who are maybe not familiar who haven't heard part of your story of 2020 can you just give like a quick version of just kind of what What's yeah. happened to you in 2020? Well, yeah, gosh, yeah. Well, there's parts of it that people don't even know that we haven't even talked about. 
in mm-hmm. interviews and stuff like that. Um, and you may know some of this because you're a friend, but the in the middle of November, I'm old, so I'm 52. And when you're 52, you have to start doing things at the doctor's office that you don't normally do. I went for my first colonoscopy. And uh, in the course of my first colonoscopy, they discovered um, a polyp that was enlarged. And that enlarged polyp required for them to remove a portion of my colon. Mm. So I had a portion of my colon removed in November. Uh, A month and a half later, on January the 10th of 2020, my dad passed away. Um, and I've talked about this a little bit, but if there is a way to die, Caleb, my dad did it. Hmm. My da- they found my dad uh, sitting in his recliner with his legs crossed, a crossword puzzle in his lap. His pen was still in his hand. And he's watching SportsCenter on the 52-inch smart TV that he told me to buy him for Christmas. Oh, wow. That's how they found my dad. So my dad passed away a month later. uh, Family members very close to us uh, confessed to my wife and I that the husband had been having an affair. Um, And so that bomb, I mean, maybe one of the hardest things I've ever done is to watch him tell his children what he had done. Mm. And then two months later, I long a very long, crazy story short, I contracted COVID-19. Uh went to went to ICU the first time and they told me to go home. We found out since that time that, and this was the latter end of March, we found out since that time that at that point in the state of Georgia, there the reason why they sent me home. I didn't have enough symptoms and they didn't have enough tests. We found out since that there were only 2,000 tests in the entire state at the time. Uh, and then several days later, uh, I, my wife and our son rushed me back to the hospital. And long story short, I was immediately um, intubated. Um, it was found that I was having a heart attack, um, all COVID induced. Um, and I spent almost the entire month of April in a medically induced coma in, an I, in ICU. Uh, and, you know, at the time of us recording this, when you consider yesterday, I think, was the most deadly day in the history of the virus. I think mm-hmm. over 3,000 people died yesterday, over 270-something thousand people to date. The fact that you and I are, are having this conversation is really a miracle, yeah. um, all things considered, especially as we've learned, as the medical community has learned more about the virus, what I experienced on the front end of the virus and how much was, how little was known. The fact that I'm alive is just, it's, you know, Jesus wins. I will say that till I, my last breath. Um, He did a miracle in my life, but my family and I owe so much to the doctors and nurses and the medical community who fought to keep me alive. So mm-hmm. all that to say, yeah, that's what's been going down. Yeah. And um, I, I would just love to ask you one of the questions that, uh, that I've just discovered recently that I love 
asking people is like looking back over the past year with all of the ups, the downs, the different chapters, stages, all of that different stuff. Have you seen like maybe like a central theme throughout 2020 that like has just really stood out to you? Yeah. And we, and Kelly and I have talked about this a lot as a, especially as it relates to the virus and what it, it, the toll that it took on us as me personally and Kelly and our children who they experienced all the trauma. I was asleep the whole time. You know, Mm my, my trauma has been trying to recover physically, but they experienced all the emotional, spiritual trauma. But I, I, the thing that the, the central theme is that we've made an idol out of certainty. Mm-hmm. Like certainty has become the thing that we worship in America. And by certainty and certainty, I mean, we want clarity. We want control. We want security. It's the thing we value. It's the reason why we go to church. It's the reason why we place our faith and trust in God. It's the reason why we live where we live, drive what we drive, go to school where our kids go to school. It's the reason why we bank where we bank. It's the reason why we shop where we shop, because we think security, clarity, control, certainty. And an idol isn't an idol because of some particular property that that thing has. An idol is an idol because of the value we place on it. Mm-hmm. And if we get really honest, that's where we have placed premium value in, our, in America. We have placed premium value on clarity, security, control. And the last year and a half has taught me that you really aren't in control. And, and consequently, you better determine quickly who or what it is that you're trusting in. And if it's things like your health, like you know, uh, marital fidelity, uh, economic gain, all of those things that we see crumbling all around us, then you have placed your faith and trust in something that cannot hold you up. And, you know, I mean, that's the thing that kind of, it has run through everything that I mentioned earlier. What's crazy, Caleb, is that an idol, generally speaking, is a good thing in the beginning. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not a bad thing to want. It's not even a, I mean, let's be honest. It's not a, it's, it's a good thing for us to want God to always come through for us, Mm -hmm. but life isn't as it's supposed to be. Life is what it is. And that's what God has taught us. You know, that's what God continues to show us. Where are you placing premium ultimate value? And the only entity that can ever, will never, that always is the same and will never change is the person of Jesus. Yeah. What What are some things, I don't know if it's questions or some practices that you use or have used <clears throat> or discover to help you find out where you're placing your certainty, where you're looking for clarity and like a preventative sense yeah, in the word yeah. because like tragedy like tragedy reveals very quickly what you're placing that stuff in sure. but what are some like preventative stuff to where it's like hey these use these things and you might be able to discover where you're placing your ultimate worth in that's that's good well i you know uh one of my mentors told me this a long time ago and it's so true trust is the currency of relationship mm-hmm. um where there's no trust there's no relationship and where there's no relationship, there's no trust. 
And so what we have found ourselves doing is asking ourselves, like, what are we like, if I lean the full weight of my existence on this thing, can it hold me up? And if we've learned anything from the recession of 2008, and if we learn anything from, uh, you know, at the time of us recording this, placing all our value on a rock star uh, pastor who, yeah. you know, it comes out that he's lied to not only his church and family, but he's lied to a woman that he commits adultery with. You can't place your faith and trust in people. You can't place your faith and trust. Like, okay, people aren't going to hold you up because they're going to let you down because they're fallible. Mm-hmm. And the economy certainly isn't. And I mean, I mean this respectfully. I was, I'm a relatively healthy guy. There was no, in fact, <clears throat> the thing that I have been most concerned about was there some pre existing condition that, or was I compromised? Is that the reason why I got the, the virus? Mm-hmm. And every doctor to a doctor has told me that your heart attack was COVID induced. And this, the virus just did a number on you. So here's what that tells me. I can't lean my, the full weight of my existence on my health. So I think that's really the question. The the most important thing is not to try to get to good answers. The most important thing is to ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. And the right question is, does that have the ability to hold up the, the full weight of your life? My children don't have that ability. And my children have learned their father doesn't have that ability. My wife has learned her husband doesn't have that ability. And I've learned my wife doesn't have that ability. The only entity that can hold the full weight of my existence is the person of Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. And so it's just that simple question. And it does sound simplistic, but I think part of our issue is we don't, <laughs> we don't want to ask that question. The reason we don't want to ask that question is we really know the answer we're going to get Um, because there are a ton of things that we're doing, a ton of things that we're trusting in. And the, the capital C church cannot hold you up. It can't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it's intended, it's intended to help you, but it is not the person of Jesus. Those two things are not the same thing. Wish they were. Unfortunately, they aren't. Yeah. And I think we're seeing that like play out, especially in 2020 because of, you know, at least the church that I'm at right now, we're not having services and sure. that has greatly affected people because they've, they've placed their ladder, their trust in the worship service instead exactly. of the person of Jesus. Yes. And distance, distance should not uh, affect your walk with Jesus. Like, my distance from being able to meet with you should have no impact on the person of Jesus who lives in me. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just think about that insanity. I cannot grow spiritually because I can't go into a building. Well, you've we've missed the entire concept of what it means to walk with Jesus. Then, yeah, mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Well, and I think it's it's just through it's through the separation that we grow closer and rely on Him even more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the things that you just said, and I would just love to ask is, uh, you talked about the importance of asking the right questions. Is there any questions that you absolutely love asking people? Well, you know, and I was going to say this later, but I really hesitate giving people advice. Mm-hmm. You know, some, you know, if someone asked me to give them advice, 
I think that's an interesting question and a dangerous question to ask people. Yeah. Um, simply because every single person, like asking for advice is like trying to, trying to solve a puzzle Mm -hmm. and you don't know the missing pieces of the puzzle unless you get to know the person. So the reason why I spend an enormous amount of time trying to ask good questions is so that I can help someone get to good answers. Yeah. And, and so it's, it, you know, it's, it's probably a lot deeper than you, you wanted, but I want to know what, what drives you, what's your intention? Yeah. Um, what's, what's your greatest motivation? What's your greatest fear? Um, I, I love talking to men who are married about their relationship with their spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love talking to dads about uh, whether they are enabling their children to be the greatest version of the person God created their children to be, or are they uh, kind of forcing their children to live up to a standard that they feel like they can't meet. Mm-hmm. Um, so all, you know, that kind of stuff, it, it depends on the person. I, I'm not, I try really hard not to be robotic and go, now let me click into my questions. <laughs> um, because again, every, every single person is a different, unique individual. Yeah, definitely. Is there anything else in uh, 2020 that has just really stood out to you of like, man, you know, I've, I've learned this thing in 2020 in addition to you know, oh, what gosh. you were talking about certainty? Yeah, I, uh, I, in fact, I wrote some of those things down. I, you know, people have used this idea of miracle or talked about the idea of miracle a lot with my situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think every miracle starts with a problem and God is doing miracles all around us. And I think we're like, one of the things I've learned from the medical community in my situation is that we are to be the solution to the problem. Too many times we rest on our capacity to intercede on the behalf of people or to go to the throne room of God and beseech the creator of the universe on someone's behalf, instead of putting our feet on the ground and using our hands and feet to be the solution. So Every miracle starts with a problem. I have learned that lesson big time. Um, I, Because of my illness and because of things that were said to Kelly and our children while I was in the coma, mm-hmm. uh, that like coming out has really forced me to rethink and recalibrate uh, my perspective of at the nuclear level, who is God? Mm-hmm. Um, because they got an awful lot of comments like, and I know it's people that are well-meaning, but people would say things like, well, his testimony is going to be incredible and he's going to write an incredible book. And I can't wait to hear him talk about this. Um, and what I have, what has been been reinforced in Kelly's and my heart, and we are hoping and help, hoping and helping our children get this as well. Mm-hmm. That at the nu- the nuclear thread through life and the and the nature of God is love. God is love, and what happened to me um, is a result of the loving kindness of God. Uh, doesn't mean that He made it happen. Uh, I'm not even sure it means that He caused it to happen, but I know that love sustained me in it, and love is sustaining me out of it, and the purpose of it 
Um, the purpose of hope is love. So that's a huge lesson I've learned. Um, I've before, learned before we move on to the next one, I want to dig a little okay. bit deeper in that one. What, what has helped you get to that perspective? Because I think for the person who's listening and they're like, Stuart, that does not make like that does not make sense. What helped you get to that point of believing what you just said? What part of it doesn't make sense? The well, fact I'm saying, that something bad happened to me. Uh, I think it's I think it's really difficult sometimes for people to reconcile the fact of like something bad happened to you, and how can you say that that love was involved mm-hmm. in that? Uh, well, you're asking a really, really deep question. <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> while you're sitting with thought bubbles all behind you, yes. But the, if I could generalize it, I think yeah. you have. To, I think you have to back up all the way to to creation and who it is that God has always been. And I, what I have become even more convinced of, I, b- I believe that God is all knowing. I believe that He is all powerful. But I believe at, at, at his very core, he is loving. Mm-hmm. And love is never forceful or conditional. And consequently, because love is not forceful or conditional, um, God gives us the ability to choose to have a relationship with him. But in giving us that capacity, he also understands that people could not choose that and that there are forces that could go astray as a consequence to that lack of choice. Mm-hmm. And one of those consequences is a world groaning in anticipation for for everything to be made new. And one of the one of the consequences of the world groaning is things like disease and evil and hate and mm-hmm. racism and and plague and virus. Yeah. And and so from for me coming out of it and really doing a lot of dig deep digging, what I realize is that. Uh, in God's sovereignty and hit, and in his desire to for me to have a relationship with him and for him to be the loving God that he is, he had to give the capacity for love to run its course. And that means that some people aren't going to choose it. And it also means that the world's going to go crazy. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't have any, you know, he's sitting up there wringing his hands you know, here's the thing we need to consider. Like, have you ever stopped to think, why did G- why was Jesus crying when Lazarus was, you know, when he stood at Lazarus' tomb? I think he was standing there crying because he understood why it happened. Yeah. He understood that it was going to hurt people. But he also knew that he could open his mouth in just a second and go, homie, come out. So he's weeping because he identifies with how it hurts. But he also, again, the purpose of hope is love. He also, you know, he can, he can say to dead things come to life. Mm-hmm. And God spoke into an ICU room through the hands and feet of doctors and says, Stuart, don't die. Um, that's love. Um, and there's so much more intricate yeah. parts of it, but you're asking me to, you're asking me to have a seminary class on a podcast and I'm not <laughs> going to do that. Yeah. Uh, another one, uh, this one's been very interesting and I like to point it this way. Per- perfection is the stick with which we beat possible. 
Perfection is the is a stick with which we beat possible. And I learned this going to rehab. So I had to go to physical therapy, relearn how to walk. Um, I lost 30 pounds. Uh, you know, I was a college athlete and I realized very quickly going into rehab that I wasn't nearly as athletic as I once was. And there was a part of me every single day, Caleb, that wanted to quit. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason I wanted to quit is I wasn't who I used to be. And what I wasn't seeing is what could be possible because perfection, like perfection, like it stalls us. It convinces us, well, you, you can't do that. And God is my witness. I told Kelly this this morning, yesterday was the most athletic I have felt in a long time in rehab. Mm. Um, I was moving like, man, I like I'm back. Uh, so I've learned that. Um, who you were, who you are, and who you will be should be three different people. Mm. I watched the Beastie Boys documentary while I was recovering, and I heard one of the Beastie Boys say that I would rather be a hypocrite than the same person I was 10 years ago. Um, We have learned through this process that I am not responsible for someone else's uh, idea of who I am. I'm responsible for who I am and I don't want to stop growing. Um, that has been big. Um, I've learned that, (laughs) that Facebook and Fox news has done to adults. What adults have said video games are doing to teenagers. Um, and I hesitate telling you this, but this happened. We had so many people from all over the world praying for me when I was in a coma and, you know, I literally almost died two or three times. Yeah. And then I, you know, I come home and then George Floyd is murdered and all three of our children and my wife, I wasn't well enough to do it or I would have been there. They join Mm -hmm. peaceful protests on the streets of Atlanta and my wife and our kids post pictures of those. And my wife actually had someone uh, message her and say, I pray, I don't, you don't know me. I heard about your husband's story. I prayed for him. Um, but if I had known that you hold this position about racism, I don't know if I'd have prayed for him. that'll mess with you. And that's kind of where we are in America. Um, and we can talk about why, uh, later, but yeah, that, that's what I mean by what Fox news and Facebook is doing to people. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, (laughs) it is creating monsters and adults the way we think video games creates monsters and teenagers. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think, and we could just, go there uh now if you want but i think um, (laughs) i i think you're so right because we've we've either in so many cases either placed the political filter above the faith filter or we have intermixed the two so much that it's hard to see that they're two separate things sure we're i think too we're so afraid of politically coined ideas 
mm-hmm. that we fail to see that they're rooted in the human story and the human mm-hmm. story and God's story are in them. Like, like we're so afraid, you know, I think people in the faith community are so afraid of terms like critical race theory that we we will not even cognitively cognitively allow ourselves to even consider that systemic oppression is real mm-hmm. because it's a part of a liberal socialist agenda and nothing could be further from the truth it has been a part it's been in place since the beginning of time um if you don't believe me consider peter going into the home of cornelius and literally saying, I've never been in somebody's house that wasn't a Jew. Think yeah. about that. Oh, this yeah. Is the, this is the first time the man said, this is the first time I've ever been in someone's house that isn't a Jew. So, you know, it to me, it's just silly. Mm-hmm. But I also want to give a ton of room and grace to people who are on the journey and trying to learn. Yeah. Not like I've arrived because I'm still on the journey and trying to learn. Mm-hmm. But it's comments like, those that were made to my wife that you go, man, we got a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've, I learned that lesson for sure in 2020. <laughs> yeah. Um, do, do you just have any other thoughts as it concerns, you know, some of the, the racial tension that has been happening, you know, throughout I have 2020? Too, I have too many thoughts and, and I actually, with all the notes that I made for the questions you were going to ask me, I literally, consciously said do not make this about (laughs) you cannot keep going there um (laughs) but it is such a part of our dna as a family and um you know uh i i am so grateful for generation z and Mm -hmm. their courage uh you know I have I have made this comment several times on a couple of different interviews but it is very, very embarrassing and convicting to me that my generation and generations older than me have walked by statues of Confederate soldiers, generals, and presidents and have never done a thing. We've never said a word. And Generation Z decided we're not going to do that. Mm. And They're not doing it to start a race war. They're doing it to stop one. Let me, let me repeat that. The protests are not to start a race war. It's to stop the systemic race war that's been happening. And, and we just have to consider what, you know, let's use the Confederate statue debacle as an illustration. Mm -hmm. Um, my wife actually said this to someone, um, during that time and it absolutely resonated with me. She likened it to, um, someone being, uh, sexually, physically, and emotionally abused growing up by a relative and everybody in the family knew it and nobody did anything about it. And then it's at some point the family decided to set up a statue of the abusive relative in the front yard. And everybody walked by the statue and everybody saw the statue, but nobody decided to do anything about the statue. That's in essence what that is to, especially to African-Americans and this generation. And again, that's just a small little, what nobody, nobody here condones the looting and 
mm-hmm. killing. That is not what we're talking about. Yep. Um, but I just, I just applaud Generation Z and their courage and bravery. It makes me incredibly proud of my own children um, because they are willing to stand up um, for those that have been marginalized, the least of these in some respect. Mm-hmm. And uh, just one other thing I want to ask you about, and then we can get into some of your favorite <laughs> things that you've learned from this year is I'm just curious with us just having gone through like an election cycle and everything. Is there anything? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, hold on. There was an election. <laughs> I know, believe it or not. That happened. What that's, was that in the news? <laughs> Wait a minute. It's still in the news? Was, yeah. Uh, yes. Did we um, have an election or is that still pending? <laughs> I think it depends on who you ask. That's true. That's true. Uh, but I would just love, uh, do you just have any, like, have you seen any thoughts or anything that's really stood out to you um, just from watching that? About the election? Yeah. Or just anything like, man, things that you took away from it, things that you realized that you, or whatever. Well, I was going to say this later on, so excuse me if I have nothing to say to a later question. Um, but I, algorithms are determining our reality. I cannot overstress how if you have not watched the documentary The Social Dilemma, you need to watch the documentary The Social Dilemma. Algorithms are determining our reality. And a week before the election, someone whether it was a message or a post that we saw and Kelly and I both looked at each other and went, that is so right that it's scary. And the post was this, that no matter who wins in a week in the presidential election, you know someone that is going to be absolutely shocked at who won. And the reason why they are absolutely shocked is because algorithms have put us in these echo chambers. And so I think part of the reason why there is still ongoing, you know, debate and argument is because one side cannot believe that it was so lopsided as it appears to be. And the reason why we can't is because we're in echo chambers and we only hear people that reinforce our confirmation bias. Um, So, yeah, that's the biggest lesson that I'm learning from this. Um, That and the power of giving people the ability to actually vote the mm. the real the real fraud in the election if we think about it is the fact that for decades if not centuries people who do not have cars have not been able to get to the polls and vote and they haven't had an ability to vote and now we have the ability to do mail in voting and yes it probably has some issues that need to be worked out but not to the extent where there's some systemic you know fraud But the fraud has been people who don't have vehicles and don't have a mode of transportation to get to the polls have not been able to cast their ballot. And this year, because of mail-in balloting, they have. And now you're seeing the voice of America. Um, And please, if you're listening, don't at all assume you know who I voted for. I just think we need to to take a step back and think about that because... Mm -hmm. You know, one of the greatest things that happened as a result of of civil rights and the Emancipation Proclamation is people of color. And then we can't forget this women having the ability to vote. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to what you were saying about echo chambers and uh, how, how what what would you say 
little, let me back up. Okay. How can you decide or how can you tell of whether or not you're falling victim to an echo chamber and how can you fight against it? I think one thing that I would say is that if, if any, if any perspective that is given that contradicts your perspective, your immediate reaction is to correct it instead of consider it, you're mm-hmm. in an echo chamber. If you're not asking, tell me more, if your first reaction is, let me, no, 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 let me correct you, then you're in an echo chamber. Um, I think that if you're not willing to consider the other side, uh, here's, here's how you know you're in an echo chamber. Have you lost friends as a result of a presidential election? You're in an echo chamber. Like, do you not talk to family members that you once spoke to or <laughs> once spoke to their family members? Yeah. Like you're in an echo chamber because again, you know, the president of the United States is not, you talk about uh, an entity you shouldn't lean the full weight of your existence on. It's the government and, and the president of the United States. There is no such thing as a morally superior party. And there was no such thing and is no such thing as a morally superior candidate. There are issues and flaws with both. Yep. But if, if we think, as people of faith, we have to keep this in mind. The first 300 years of our faith's existence, we were the oppressed minority. It was also the first 300 years of our existence as a faith community where our faith expanded and exploded the greatest. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because when plague and things like pandemics were happening in the first, second, and third century, when all the pagans were running for the hills, Christians were running to and helping. And it wasn't until Constantine legalized Christianity that we moved out of catacombs and we moved into basilicas and we got power. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Now we think it's our right to have, have positions and seats at the tables of power. That's why we're fighting the, the you know, fighting for uh, our cause. Instead of going, how do we go and serve people? That's how, that's how my illness and the medical community has, has so, no, 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 don't look over there. Look at how these people are serving people. Mm-hmm. That's who I am. I think that's who we need to be as Jesus followers. Yeah. Now, moving uh, on towards, I want to hear some of your, um, your, some of the best things that you've learned from in 2020, Stuart, whether it be podcasts or movies oh, yeah. or music or documentaries. Well, or you books. know, I, I am, uh, you know, I, in fact, I finished three or four books just this week. Mm-hmm. So uh, the book cast by Isabel Wilkerson, Wilkerson is maybe the best book I've read in the last five years. Yeah. I could not recommend it more. There's a, uh, there's a, uh, a little, of, it's not well-known. I got really fortunate. I got invited into this private, basically screening of a book by a gentleman named Robert F. Jones called White Too Long. It's the history of white supremacy in the evangelical church. Mm-hmm. That book rocked me to my core. Um, I, would, I have learned a ton from it. Um, uh, N.T. Wright wrote a book called God in the Pandemic. 
Um, and it, he also has this book, the new Testament in its world. N.T. Wright has been, uh, like reading his book is like getting an, an Oxford education for 1999. Um, but God and, and the pandemic has been so revolutionary for me this year, just trying to understand what it is that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, as I was doing my deep dive, as it relates to the nature of God, there's a book, there's a, an author named Thomas, Dr. Thomas J. Ord. Uh, he wrote a book called The Nature of Love and the Controlling Love of God that has really kind of turned my head and shaped my heart this year. Um, I'm a big fan of John Meacham. He has a he has a podcast called um, History and Words, um, and then he wrote a book called The Soul of America. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's great about that book, Caleb, is that he really shows us that this isn't the first time this has happened. It's not the first time we've been in, in crisis, and it's not the first time that we've been in political chaos. And history gives us a peek at how we should respond. So the soul of America is awesome. I thought uh, Rob Bell's book, everything is spiritual. It was really, really good. Um, mm-hmm. I, lo- I just, I have said this often, his, everything is spiritual um, uh, communication. That, that event that he did where he spoke with the big board is maybe yeah. the best thing I've ever seen from a communication perspective. So those are the books that I've read this year that I would say these really, really shaped me and changed me. Yeah. Um, Pantsu Politics, the podcast. Um, those two ladies give me sanity in a world of chaos in, a, in an election season. Um, the Bible for Normal People is a go-to, has been a go-to for me this year. Um, and they just did an episode a couple of weeks ago about, uh, the, basically they asked the question, how did end times theology and the left behind idea become so famous? And it will rattle you. So uh, the Bible for Normal People, Unlocking Us, Brene Brown's podcast. Oh, yeah. It's been amazing for me. Uh, Hope Through History. Um, that's John Meacham's. I said Hope Through Words, but it's Hope Through History. Mm-hmm. His his podcast is amazing. And then I'm a Malcolm Gad- Gladwell like geek. If I were to see him on the street, I would have, it would be bad because he would think <laughs> I'm about to be assaulted. But his revisionist history podcast, and he has an episode in this year, in this season. Um, what is it? What was it called? Oh, the uh, the Powerball. What 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 is it? Uh, the Powerball Revolution episode, mm-hmm. where and it's about election, and he <laughs> proposes the premise that we should choose our presidents using the Powerball. Um, and it's a brilliant idea. So that one was really good. Um, and then there are three documentaries that I watched this year that were great. Social Dilemma. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a documentary called Boy State. If you haven't seen the documentary Boy State, mm-hmm. you need to watch it. And then Stockton on My Mind. Uh, Stockton on My Mind is about the city of Stockton, California, and how they decided uh, they were going to test guaranteed income and see how it impacted their economy. It's a brilliant podcast uh, documentary. So I'll leave that there. Those are the things that kind of really shaped me this year. Yeah. What have you started doing in 2020 that's really helped you? 
Oh, what have I started doing in 2020 that's helped me? Um, I think physical therapy, you know, physical therapy has now turned into intense, like working out. Mm -hmm. I've told, I've told a ton of people that I am convinced that I survived a COVID induced heart attack, pneumonia, COVID-19 blood clots in my, you know, body, uh, a dangerous bacterial infection that doctors were more afraid of than the virus itself. I survived all that and I'm probably going to die in physical therapy because they think I'm prepping for the NBA supplemental draft. Um, <laughs> but that intense workout has just like starting to do that has totally changed me. Um, and then leaving my phone on the charger, mm. like when I'm, when I'm at home, I'll bring my phone, put it upstairs in the bedroom and, go back downstairs. God, that has been so good for me to, and it also ties into what I've stopped doing and what yeah. I've stopped, what I've stopped doing is being a, uh, carnivore consumer of news. I just don't think, I think it's, I think it's like choosing to take poison. It's just not good for you. Yeah. What are some of the things? And I mean, we've talked about it some, and so if you repeat yourself, that's okay. Okay. Too. What are some of the things that you've seen or some of the trends that you've seen in 2020 that you're just like, Hey, I, I would pay attention to these things as yeah. 2021 is coming up. Cause it's probably well, not the, going the away. Biggest one, the biggest one that I talked about was algorithms. I, th yeah. I think the, we, our reality is not reality. Like, and it's be simply because of whether it's the social media platforms that you're on, the news that you listen to. I mean, someone, there's this joke going around on social media. Um, about Christmas that um, I don't have to make a list. All I have to do is search for something on Facebook or search for something in the search engine and Facebook will tell me what I want for Christmas because, you know, our, the algorithms are that strong and reliable. So I, that's not going away. I, I do hope that uh, government uh, can maybe put some, you know, brackets around yeah. it and control it a little bit, but that's crazy scary. The other thing I think we need to pay attention to is that digital virtual learning is not going away. Yeah. Um, our oldest daughter is a sophomore in college and she hasn't gone to one class this year. Um, she's taking, you know, she's a division one soccer player and is taking all of her classes online. And it's probably going to stay that way, you know, forever in some way, shape or form. And that's going to cause an incredible shakeup in the, uh, financial structure of schools. It, I think we're going to see malls closed by the droves. Think about it. Who's, who's going to the mall this year? Yeah. I mean, I want to risk my life to go to banana Republic <laughs> and then I can go online. Nah, that's all right. <laughs> yeah. How'd you get sick? I went to the gap. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think, yeah, we're going to become, if we're not careful, we will become more and more, you know, siloed and uh, we're going to have to fight really, really hard once the pandemic lifts for community. Mm -hmm. And then kind of the final question is like, if you were going to give some advice to yourself at the beginning of 2020, I'd be like, Hey, I, I would just take this to heart. You know, what would you say? Give advice to myself. Yep. At the beginning of 2020. <laughs> um, don't get sick. 
<laughs> that would be a good one. Yeah. Um, even though I was, I mean, we were doing everything we could. Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, you know, na- the Navy SEALs have this, have this mantra, hold fast, stay true. Have you heard mm-hmm. that before? Mm-mm. They have this thing. In fact, if you ever meet uh, someone that was in the Navy, especially older, a lot of a lot of Navy veterans have either hold fast or stay true tattooed on their knuckles. Mm. And it comes from those early days uh, of Naval voyage, where if you got into a storm, hold fast meant you better find something that you can wrap your arm around. Because if you don't, you're going to get thrown overboard. Mm. And so you could see, like, if you look at old pictures, you'll see old Navy sailors, like, with ropes wrapped around their arm in the middle of a storm. That's the whole fast part. And the stay true part was to whoever was navigating the boat, whoever had the, the will, the, the navigation will in their hand. Well, in those days, the only way you navigated was by being able to see the stars, mm. especially at night. And in a storm, you can't see the stars. And so literally stay true was you got to stay the course, even though you can't see what's ahead of you and you don't know where you're going. You got to make sure that you keep the, you know, so I would, I would hope and pray that I would tell myself hold fast and stay true. Like you better tie yourself in because this is going to get bad (laughs) and and stay the course. Um, the, The Chinese word for crisis is made up of two characters you know, the Chinese writing characters mm-hmm. and the Chinese word for crisis is two characters. The first character means danger. And the second character means opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I would tell myself to make sure you pay attention to the opportunity because there's plenty of danger around you, but don't get consumed by the danger because look at the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I would tell myself that. Yeah. And then I would say, be prepared because your physical therapists are going to try to kill you. <laughs> and the political season is going to get crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, Stuart, I know that people are going to want to continue to learn from you and follow you. Where's the best place for people to go to do those things? Uh, they can follow me on social media at I am Stuart Hall, uh, S-T-U-A-R-T. I am Stuart Hall, both Twitter and and Instagram, I am not on Facebook because that is a dumpster fire. Um, and then they can follow me at Influencer. Um, Influencer is spelled I-N-F-L-U-N-S-R.com. Influencer.com. Uh, I, I'm full-time with an organization called Orange. What is Orange.com? Um, and then if anyone's interested in having me come and hang out with them and communicate to students or train leaders or whatever, they can do that through the Echo Group. The Echo Group.com is the organization that handles my schedule. Or they can just email me at I am Stuart at me.com and ask me questions or disagree with everything that I've said today. <laughs> uh, well, so, Stuart, thanks so much for being back on. I love you, Caleb, man. I hope you have an incredible Christmas. Thank it's you. interesting to be on this without our good friend Todd. I know. We, we, we might just have to do an off-air thing with the three of us. No, I would much rather talk to you. Todd was <laughs> Todd was a troublemaker. <laughs> that's that's also very true. <laughs> that is also very true. <laughs>
Love you, dude. Hope you have a great Christmas. Thank you. Thank you. You too. See you. Well, Stuart, thanks again so much for being on the podcast today. And thank you, the listener who is listening today and for joining us. Uh, the best, Like I said, you're going to want to go follow Stuart. So go on to Instagram, go on to Twitter, follow him, catch up with him with all of the stuff that he's doing and all of the things that he is working on um, as well. And thank you so much for just listening to the podcast, for being a part of this community. I would love to hear from you and the best place to probably uh to reach out to me is on my Instagram, which is at Caleb J. Mason. Would love to hear from you. Let me know some of the best things that you've learned from this year, whether that be books, podcasts, documentaries, or you would even just love to hear some of maybe the life lessons that you've learned in 2020 as well. And thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. Sam and Garrett, thank you so much for making the podcast better as well. And we got one more episode that is coming up as we look back on 2020. And you're going to love it because we're bringing back, uh, we're bringing back a former co-host of the Learner's Corner podcast. Yes, Todd Hixenbaugh is coming back. And the best way to make sure that you won't miss that episode is by subscribing to whatever podcast player you use, whether that be Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, whatever it might be. So again, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Learner's Corner podcast. My name is Caleb Mason. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing.